my name is Sarah Noir and I'm currently on this crazy journey of life trying to figure it out and I thought what better way to do it than to invite you on the journey with me. Maybe there are some tools and information that you could use for something that you're going through in your own journey and if not then you can just enjoy some good conversation with me. I know a lot of things but I don't know everything but guess what I'm learning and I'm learning about learning so come and learn with me. So guys, welcome to another episode of Upon Reflection podcast with me, Sarah Noir. And today we're joined with a very, very special guest, Dr. Kimberly. She is a clinical... Hello. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I would introduce you, but I feel like the person who knows themselves best, especially I feel like you're someone who, when I spoke to you last time, I was just like in awe listening to you speak and just sharing your story. So... I'm just going to introduce you by saying Dr. Kimberly is a clinical therapist from Indianapolis, but did you want to share a bit more about yourself, like the type of psychology you do um, and how long you've been doing it for as well? Like your background, just very briefly. Sure. Yeah. I know we'll have some conversation. So yes, I'm from, from Indianapolis and that is in Indiana. So that is the Midwest of the United States. And um, it's a great day in the U.S. right now. We're at the beginning of our, our new era, so this is good. And uh, <laughs> I am a clinical psychologist. Uh, primarily, my work is limited to working with individuals, and my training is in Atlerian psychology. And Atlerian psychology is based on the works of Alfred Adler, and um, and it also has a, a UK connection. You know, so he he was in in Vienna, but there's a lot of UK individuals that practice Atlerian psychology. And for me, that is um, kind of what I love, what I've been trained in, what I gravitate towards. As far as psychology, I've been a clinical psychologist for 10 years, and I've been in my own private practice for the past uh, five years. So, so yeah, so that's my little, my little intro. I know we'll, we'll do a little <laughs> bit more, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the reason why I wanted Dr. Kimberly to come onto the episode is because, you know, a lot of this podcast is me sharing my personal experience, my journey, but I thought it would be really important if my goal is to give people tools and resources that will be beneficial to them, especially as it pertains to, you know, mental health, personal growth and development. It's really wise to bring on someone who knows it from a perspective of this is what they do. They know this information and they can actually give you tools that will be very beneficial for you. So with that being said, this yes. episode, we're going to, you know, I guess, get into some foundations of um, therapy and the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is because in the past especially past two years in the past year with everything happening with COVID and the world you know a lot of people have been suffering and struggling and just having a hard time dealing mentally and a lot of people have such a hard time trying to figure out the best way to get help or get resources and where to begin, how to begin, (laughs) if you're a person who needs to go and get therapy or not, what options are out there. So I wanted this episode just to be another piece of insight that can help them on that journey, whether they end up going to therapy or not, at least they'll have a bit more information to take the next step. So one of the things that um, I did was put a Q&A on my socials and I asked people, what are some questions that you have as it pertains to therapy? And someone asked me a really good question. I thought it would be a very good place to begin. 
but what are the signs that someone would need to look out for that it might be a good time to seek therapy? Okay. Um, they vary, of course, as you know. And so um, the one thing that I like about Atlerian psychology is that we're also, in a way, it's sort of like this health psychology. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, there, I have to have something wrong with me before I go to therapy. And it's like, no, you, you don't necessarily need to have anything that's wrong with you. Um, so I, I'm saying that because I think there, that there's separate signs that you might be able to need to look for. So if we're looking at therapy in regards to, you know, there's something that a person might need to, to work through. I don't like to use the word sick or ill, but for understanding, um, if someone's saying, okay, maybe this person's sick or ill, or maybe there's some depression or anxiety. Uh, some of the bigger things to look for is that change in behavior. And, you know, maybe a person used to kind of really do a lot and you notice that they're, they're not doing much anymore. So changes in behavior, if they're isolating themselves from their friends, you can also look at like physical health. Maybe they're not engaged in the appropriate hygiene that they used to, to engage in or anything that, that appears to be out of character, you know, for that individual. So those might be signs of, okay, something, you know, might, might need some help here. The other thing uh, on the other end of that, sometimes I'll see people and they come to me for therapy and it's because they feel like they've reached a point in their life where they're sort of stagnant. And it's like, I just feel like stuck or I don't know, you know, where to go through, what, what, to, what to do and, and um, you know, what I'm going through. The other uh, thing when people are like looking for therapy, I think when they've noticed like patterns in their lives. So sometimes I'll see individuals that come in for relationship problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, this is the seventh person that has done this, you know, wow. what's happening or, you know, what can I do? Or, you know, this is my seventh relationship or, you know, people notice patterns. And so, you know, it, it's almost for me. And when I think about therapy as well, <clears throat> is that sometimes it's like, I look at it, I was like, it's okay to check in. Hmm. Right. Um, so it doesn't have to be, oh, I, I need to have something, you know, that that's really wrong with me. Or um, some people will come in and they'll say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I should be here because my problems aren't as severe as this other person. Like this person has this, this person has that. <clears throat> and I'm like, no, like it's what's going on with you and it's okay to, you know, do what you need to do. Um, getting back to the first part of like why someone might need therapy, I think that as you mentioned, like this year. I think mm-hmm. this year has thrown like a wrench into things. And so it's yeah. saying, well, wait a minute. You know, she just said, like, if there's been changes in behavior, like if someone used to go out, now they don't. Like a lot of people aren't going out anymore, right? Um, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So with that, it's looking at, you know, the context too. And, you know, what are the circumstances that are happening? So even though, you know, we might not be socializing as we used to, you can still look for those things of, oh, you know, I'm not, this person's not texting me as much as they used to. They're not calling me as much as they used to. Right? Um, and so I think that's that's what makes kind of this past year a little bit complicated uh, with individuals. And also as from a mental health perspective, for me, sometimes it's, it's helping an individual distinguish like what's depression that you really might need to do something about yeah. and what is depression that makes sense. Yeah. And how, how do they distinguish? Yeah. Yeah. How do you distinguish? So with them, I, I look at the situation. So, uh, you know, somebody might say, you know, I'm the type of person that, you know, every, every quarter we go on vacation, you know, or right. we, go on hol- we go on holiday. And so that's been removed from you. 
so it makes sense that there's going to be this depression, right? Because it's something, when I look at depression, one way of thinking about depression is this like museum of misery. Mm-hmm. And it's also like depression is looking at things from the past. So they might think like, wow, like last summer I would have went here and then in the fall I went here and then the winter I went here. And so they're looking at all the things they used to be able to do. Yeah. That of course during COVID, they're not doing those things. And so depression in that regard, it makes sense. It's like, yes, you're sad because you're not doing the things that you used to do. Um, One of the other things as well that gets confusing sometimes is if we're looking at individuals that are experiencing grief and they might say, well, I'm just depressed. And it's like, well, you're grieving. You know, you're missing someone, maybe they're, they're away temporarily or permanently. And then that's grief. And it's okay to be sad in that situation. So with those things, like with the changes in what we're able to do because of a situation and even looking at grief, there's no certain like timeline, like, oh, if there's grief, you should get over by this time. Or if you've broken up with someone, you should be over by this time. But it's really looking at um, how long has this behavior been going on with the individual? And then also maybe like, what is the, the impact of that? Are they sleeping more often you know are they not sleeping and is their hygiene suffering so then I would be more concerned somebody might come in and they might have the sadness or grief um, because they've lost someone but they're still managing to go to work they're still managing to get up they might be tearful and sad so that functioning the, and the functioning exactly yeah so it's looking at um, the level of functioning so when the, your functioning is significantly decreased in certain areas, like your relationships with other people, your work, uh, your ability to keep up with your house, your schooling, then that that's a sign like, okay, wait, something's happening here because this these major areas of functioning, there's been some impairment that's happening. Yeah. And I just had a question just on the topic of grief, just really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Is it possible for people to experience grief outside of losing someone by death? Because in the past yeah. year, there's a lot of loss, but in different areas, it could be relationship, it could be mm-hmm. through job loss. And I think sometimes, especially when it comes to things like job loss, from, I guess, someone who maybe hasn't had that experience, mm-hmm. they may not understand the process people go through. Well, everyone's process is different in how they, right. you know, um, internalize things or how they, you know, deal with situations. But could that also mirror grief, like the stages of grief in some way? Absolutely. Because I look at grief and if you, what, what's synonymous with grief and it's really a loss like yeah. has there been a loss and and you know I, I used to perform with dancing and after every show that I have a little bit of grief because it's like wait yeah. a minute we're not meeting up you know on a weekly basis anymore or daily basis what's happening here so it's that sudden and not sometimes it's not even sudden but it's that sense of loss yeah holiday and blues so, as well kind of like yeah, yeah. right holiday blues <laughs> yeah. and the- you know with grief you can also have like this anticipatory grief yeah. And sometimes that's so that's like this, this change, mm-hmm. um, you know, so with all of my schooling and, and after a point when I'm getting towards the end, it's like, I'm happy, but then I'm also like, but wait a minute, I won't have, I won't have this anymore. You know, so yeah. I'm going, thinking about this anticipatory grief yeah. or when somebody's, somebody's ill, I think those are things that unfortunately we witnessed in COVID, you know, if you have loved ones who've been ill and it's like, you know, this, this loss is going to happen. So you have that anticipatory grief as well. Yeah. And I just um, wanted to go back to something that you were um, talking about earlier. You mentioned, oh my God, now my brain just went blank. Um, <laughs> um, 
oh, that's what you said, that people often come to therapy. Well, it's quite common for people to come to therapy when things have gone maybe not wrong, but they notice patterns in relationships, like you said. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe one of the most common things um, that people come for? And why do you think it is that relationships uh, trigger people to come to therapy rather than it just being, like you said, like maybe you feel stuck or just mm-hmm. you feel like you just need to speak to someone? I think relationships trigger it because we are social beings. Mm-hmm. Right? And then also I think with relationships too, is that relationships, they, they're a mirror. Mm. And when you're in the, the, the relationship, it's mirroring something back and it's like what it's mirroring, like there's certain degrees to that. So it's mirroring and maybe it's like a hundred percent. Like, yeah, they're, they're mirroring this, this truth back to me. Or it's like, okay, they're mirroring a fraction of this back to me. Um, and so for me, it's like, I don't know if, if it's, if that's the most common reason. Um, I think that would be, I think a relationship or noticing those patterns, those are the, probably the common reason that individuals come who don't have per se, like a diagnosis. Right. Yeah. So what I, what I primarily see is individuals that, that will come and they'll present with, you know, self-reported depression or anxiety. And, and, and if they come because they're like, hey, like this relationship's not working, then it is because they've, they've realized the pattern finally. Okay. And just um, moving on from, from that, I just wanted to ask you, so now people are seeing, okay, you know, maybe it is a good time for me to go to therapy, whether it's because I'm having, because again, like people, I think a lot of times look at therapy as like a huge thing. Like, like you said, it must be something wrong with me, but really it's like, you don't have to, you know, be having a huge life crisis to need to go therapy. But when you do decide, how do you go about looking for a therapist? And how do you know that they're the right therapist for you? Yeah. That's, that's tricky, you know, and then there are different <laughs> um, avenues that people have. And a lot of times I'll have individuals when they contact me um, and I'll say, you know, how did you find me? So sometimes if, if there's insurance, um, you know, it's different in the state. So we have different people that are managing the insurance. So they might say, oh, you're, you're on my insurance providers list. Um, I also advertise on like psychology today and they'll say, oh, well, I saw you through psychology today. I saw, you you know, I have a friend or, you know, someone referred you to me. Um, The one thing that I would recommend is that, you know, if someone, be it that they hear the information by someone that they know, their employer recommends somebody, is to take the time and even ask and see like, hey, you know, call the the therapist and see if they can speak with you, you know, like a 15 minute session for you to get an opportunity to know, you know, a little bit about them. Um, also, if it's possible, uh, which is why I, you know, I have my website and I'm thinking, yeah, like here, check out my website because this says a little bit about what I do, you know, some information about what I don't do. You also have a picture of me. I think that's important as well. Yeah. And it's being able to, you know, do your research. And then also if, if you're fortunate enough to, to have that conversation you know, um, be it on the phone, be it, be it online through Zoom or that nature. And then even when you get to the, the appointment and say, you know, you think, okay, this is great. You know, we've met, we've done an initial 15 minutes, let's set up an appointment. When you go in for that first visit, there should still be, and therapy should always be somewhat of this sense of cooperation. And you should have a chance to, you know, talk to the therapist and, and ask those relevant therapeutic questions. You should be able to ask, you know, how long have you been doing therapy? 
Um, do you have a, uh, an expertise? Do you have something that you specialize in? You know, what school did you go to? I think that that's, that's important to know. Um, one thing that I do when I'm working with clients, you know, I do give them that opportunity and I mm -hmm. state like, okay, this is, you know, what I see it's happening right now. And this is how we're going to work together. And then I always also give them that opportunity if they say, well, I don't think this is a good fit. And it's like, oh, okay, that's fine, right? So be open to that, right? And I still think that even if, you know, a person is experiencing anxiety, depression, those types of things, don't automatically assume, well, you know, I'm an expert in psychology, but I'm not gonna know 100% what's best for you or how you're feeling. That certain things, it's like, oh, no, I want someone who, um, I'm more of, you know, I'm at Lyrian, but I have this sort of psychodynamic aspect as well, which means I don't talk a lot in sessions. Like I allow that person to really process, get their insight going. And for some people that doesn't work, right? And so I've even pointed that out to people. I'm thinking, you know, maybe you need someone that's gonna be more directive and then I will refer them to those individuals as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point you make because um a lot of times and I know people who have gone to therapy they've gone to one session and they said oh like I, I didn't like it or maybe even two sessions and they're like mm -hmm. no didn't like it not mm -hmm. for me but I'm like isn't don't you think maybe it's just that's those sessions of that therapist because like you what you're alluding to is that every therapist has a different style to how they mm -hmm. do their sessions and um right yeah they they do and I think that's one thing that I have done before because I will have people that you know maybe they've you know, I'm the fourth or fifth therapist down that list for, you know, this presenting concern, or maybe they're back to therapy again. And one question that I'll ask, I'll say, well, how did you, what did you benefit from, you know, when you've been mm. in therapy before? What did you like about that therapist? What did you not like about that therapist? And, you know, there are times when people, they might call me and I'll go through that initial, you know, what are you looking for? And they, they might say, I want someone to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, well, I'm not that therapist. And yeah. then I'll talk about this is how I work. So, you know, give them that, that to be able to see that. And, um, but yes, really, you know, if you've gotten to the point that you're saying, yes, I'm, I want to go to therapy mm -hmm. and therapy, I mean, it's, it's, it's very intimate. It is. Yeah. And so trust, you know, trust yourself to say, you know, there was just something that, you know, wasn't right. And if you still want that, processing that healing try someone else yeah because you said it to me last week yeah. in like just like in you know customer service the customer's always right and when it comes to yeah. therapy the person in that seat is always right so you said mm -hmm. just trust your instincts just if that person isn't right for you then it maybe it's time to change <laughs> right and we shouldn't like force people I mean there are people that I might see that I'm like yeah they can still benefit from therapy but maybe for whatever reason they decide oh you know I'm, I'm, I don't want to come back or I have to respect that because it's also mm. therapy is about change and it's what is that person's process of change and maybe they're just not ready at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for anyone listening, you do have the permission to research your therapist, mm -hmm. speak to them before a session. And even in that first session, you can actually ask them questions so that you have an understanding of the type of therapist they are and maybe what your expectations are and how you two can go on to your journey because it is a journey <laughs> it, it, it's a journey you know and I think part of it too is that, that if you're looking at yourself and saying well I don't I don't know where to start because there mm. is a lot that's out there um 
I look at therapy also as, you know, learning, you know, there, there's this teaching and it's a learning. So one question that I have as well, sometimes I'll ask people, how do you learn best? And if they say, you know, oh, by having someone do it with me hands-on, then my style of, of working with them is probably not the best. And then I'll refer right. them to someone who maybe has more, you know, um, more of a structure, more of a protocol. Yeah. But if they say, oh, I like to kind of read on my own and figure it out, then I'm like, great. <laughs> I think this is what, this this will probably work better for you. Yeah, so yeah. I don't. I don't just, I'm, you know, I'm not Freudian to the fact, I'm not so, you know, psychoanalytical <laughs> that I just sit on a couch and don't say anything. Yeah. Um, but it's more of this sort of Socratic dialogue and it's asking those probing questions and guiding a person along versus telling them you need to do this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, like some people just need the tools. Like if you guide me, then I'll hopefully be able to find my way. So Right. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. And um, there is um, what I've realized a lot of misconceptions when it comes to therapy. And mm-hmm. I notice it when I'm in conversation or, you know, I think I mentioned to you Reddit is somewhere that I like to be. I'm not too sure if I mentioned that to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's so many discussions on Reddit, but you get to really see like people's um, thoughts and opinions. And mm-hmm. oftentimes when they talk about therapy, there's these misconceptions of mm-hmm. how they think the world will see them. Like, mm-hmm. does this mean I'm weak? And, you know, if I go to therapy, does that mean I don't have any control over my life? Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who have that perspective? Because, you know, I think they could probably benefit a lot if they could move past those limiting mm-hmm. beliefs that they're having. Right. The best thing that I have for that, the start of that, when I'm talking with individuals is really looking, um, beginning with that mind-body connection. Mm. and not separating psychology and your mind from the rest of who you are. Mm. Uh, so I have some people that, you know, have been in therapy with me, you know, from for more than a year. And then I have some clients that I might see on a weekly basis. Some I'll say, okay, you know, things are going well, let's do just kind of monthly check-ins. Mm. It's the same thing with your body. Someone said, you know, will I always be in therapy or will I always need it? And I'll say, are you always going to get like, you know, dental exams? <laughs> yeah and they're like oh yeah you know like yeah I'm gonna get my eyes checked once a year or I'm just gonna kind of check in and mm. so that's the one way that I look at that and it, it's normalizing that experience and that's what I like too about Atlerian psychology is because we look at all of the individual and when we're looking at all the individual we come from less of this medical model but more of what is this individual's relation, relationship to society and how are they functioning in society? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the way things are, you know, in the in the United States is that it's a lot of the medical model and they're looking for like, oh, we have to have a diagnosis if you're using insurance, which I think is a hindrance because sometimes it's like, no, this person, like their mother just died. Why do I have to label it as depression, right? So mm. yes, that's a symptom of it. But in reality is that they're going through the process that they needed to go through. Yeah. Um, and that's how when clients come to me, that's the way that I like to look at it is, is to say, okay, what's happening in your life? Yeah. Versus this, you know, um, they're feeling like they're crazy or, or those types of things. And so my role when I'm working as a psychologist, when I'm doing things in the community, it is to help decrease that stigma and, and increase in decreasing that stigma. It's also, I think, breaking down those misconceptions, um, you know, because some people f- 
people already feel like they're going to be judged. People already, unfortunately, we have this sense of inferiority or am I enough? And it's difficult to then take that feeling and then go talk to a stranger about that. Um, so know that, you know, when you're seeing a therapist, you know, we're, we're bound by confidentiality and, and we're there to help you and to work with you. And it's not, you know, we're not judging you and as if there's something that's bad, you know, it, it's working with you and helping you change that, that script. Um, and so for me, I think that the big part of, big part of it is, is saying that your mental health is just as important as the physical health. And yeah. when you look at you, who you are as an individual, you can't separate the two. And if you decreasing the stigma, like you should be able to like walk in your therapist's office as easily as you walk into your dental office. Yeah, yeah. Or the gym, people will hire a personal trainer. Or the gym, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can hire a personal trainer for your body, but yeah, like there's and this protection around your mind. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. It, it is. And I, I used to have a, a card, a postcard, and the slogan was, do you mind? And it was like, okay, like you go to the gym, you get your nails done, you get a pedicure done, you know, you you, you do yoga, you meditate, but do you mind? And it's this like, go the to a therapist, the it's episode. okay. I like, I like that. That's yeah, take it. Yeah. So yeah, it was like, do you mind? Like, what are you, what are you doing for your mind? Like, it's all together. And even what you're saying just before, sorry, it just triggered a thought. Um, you said about, you know, people coming to speak to a stranger and how mm-hmm. that may feel. I've, I, in London, where I've grown up in North London is an area called Tottenham. And um, it's, I would say it's, it's a working class area. And I would say, especially for black males, um, mm-hmm. a lot of them have had experiences that are very difficult. And I saw mm-hmm. a post the other day, um, it was two men speaking and they were just saying, you know, I would want to go to therapist, but how can I go? I can't even trust the people I've grown up with, all these things, mm-hmm. all these traumas or things I've gone through. Maybe when it comes to the law, maybe you've done some unfavorable things. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do I now go and speak to a therapist to unpack all these things? How can I trust them? Right. You know? Yeah. <sighs> what would you say for that? Like for that? <laughs> that's, that's important. As you, and as you were talking, you know, the thing that came to mind is that's where representation matters. Yeah. Right. Um, the one thing I would say is it is getting back to that confidentiality. So yeah. um, as a therapist, everything that a person says in my office is confidential. There are two things that aren't. If they're threatened to harm themselves or someone or someone else, um, those are things that I absolutely have to record. Anything else, it's like, you know, giving them the freedom to say that. And, you know, that takes this rapport and it's, um, you know, it's sweet because I'll have some clients come in, they'll use profanity and like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, like, this is your space. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like, like, do do what you want to do. And, you know, I think that that's important too, is that, you know, getting back to the question before of how do you find a therapist? sometimes those first few appointments are just simply allowing yourself to build rapport. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and to know that, and I, you know, I keep my boundaries as, as a professional, but it's like, I, I sometimes I'll know like, okay, this person, maybe they need to, to, to sense that there is more safety here. And so maybe I'll just kind of have that time of not necessarily looking at, you know, what brought you in or answering the questions that I need, but just like, Hey, like, how's it going? Or maybe, saying something um, about 
what's happening socially in the world, those types of things, to give them that sense of, oh, this is okay, I, I can have this permission to do this. Um, because, you know, as, you know, when there are people of color involved or any marginalized group, mm. they, they feel that, like, I'm going to be judged, you know, they already have this sense, or maybe like, you know, that there's something wrong, and, and just to, to kind of put that at ease. And I think one thing that um, telehealth, because I've been doing telehealth because of COVID, that that has in a way decreased a lot of the the stigma with mental health and yeah. has given people a little bit more comfort where you meet people where they are, right? And people really get to be where they are because I'll have clients that maybe they roll out of bed and it's like, I just get to see, you know, who they are um, versus um, their, their pretending, pretense part of themselves, yeah. And there was something you said about um, safety, creating that kind of safe space. And it mm -hmm. kind of brings me on to something that we spoke about last week, but still on misconceptions, um, people thinking that when they come to therapy, um, and this is a line I've heard many times, one from my mum <laughs> yeah. and from a few other people, but it's like, no, I can't go to therapy because I don't, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna talk about the past. And if we talk about the past and, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I can handle that. And I don't know, you know, mm -hmm where I'm going to go. And if you know, I can bounce back from that, who I'll become, like, mm -hmm. is that something that you hear commonly? Right. I do. Yeah. And I know when we talked about it last time, uh, part of that, when I hear that as a concern with an individual, um, then I immediately go in and say, we're not going to get to your trauma right away. What we're going to do first is give you those coping skills, teach you how to decrease some of that stress teach you in a way to kind of regulate your body, managing the emotion. So teaching that first. Uh, the other thing that I do, so as an Atlerian psychology, psychologist, I do look at the past of an individual. And when I do that, I tell them, I said, we're not looking at the past to find fault and blame. <laughs> we're looking at this to find a sense of understanding because, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people, um, family members, maybe they prevented their children from going to therapy because they're like, no, like you're going to go to therapy and this therapist is going to say, I'm a bad parent. And it's like, okay, we're not looking in the past to blame your parents. We're mm -hmm. looking in the past to figure out what you understood and how you interpret that. Yeah. And then we're going to use that information to move forward. But it's definitely giving that person that, that safety. So giving them the tools to manage like whatever we're going to actually, you know, be, be digging up, right? Um, and then sometimes, and sometimes I forget, so I have to acknowledge that too. But then it's also letting people know like this might feel uncomfortable. It yeah. might feel a little bit worse before it starts to feel better. And again, that's also looking at, you know, how do medical professionals treat? And sometimes that, that shot is gonna feel worse in, in the beginning but then it's for something that's going to, you're going to feel better at the end, going to put you into cast and you can't move and you're not going to like it. But once it's, <laughs> once you're out of it, it's going to feel great. Yeah. yeah. And I liked what you said about um, being able to create a, a plan of action for when you do get to those things that are quite difficult. Like this will be, I can't remember the, like the coping tools. I'm not too sure how coping you, tools, yeah. Um, but I guess for anyone listening, if your therapist doesn't, forwardly say that to you because I guess they may not know that that's something that's uncomfortable for you some people are okay to come in and talk about their past but if you are already apprehensive about 
what you may feel when you talk about your past and maybe it might be worth asking for your therapist to set up maybe a plan of action of how to handle um mm -hmm. your emotions um and your responses for when you do get into those things yeah i think that you know getting back to that question as well i think it's okay to really interview your therapist um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah know, we so, said it makes this makes sense <laughs> yeah and one, one of the questions that i have is like you know do you have any concerns about therapy and if you know doing that person's you know their intake paperwork if they don't ask that i think it's okay for you to say you know i'm i'm concerned about this you know how mm. will you handle that right yeah yeah so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah i think it, i think it's okay that if before you go to therapy and it, you know if you're listening to this and you're like oh wait a minute maybe i should need to get a few questions yeah and, and yeah. it, it's so it's okay and if you go to a therapist and they object to you asking like what's your theoretical orientation you know how would you approach this uh, then i would just leave <laughs> yeah well we said we may talk about some red flags so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so but um and yeah. even you talking about parents um mm -hmm. something that may be a thing i know i've had this conversation with a few parents but i don't know how you know the general scope of parents may feel but a lot of them may have especially mothers have this feeling of if i go to therapy and they know i have children mm -hmm. and i'm having these issues what if they think i'm a bad parent will social services or child services depending on terminology would they get involved mm -hmm. how what is the re reality of that if when parents mm -hmm. do go to therapy yeah. Um, one, I think that definitely depends on where you are and what the states states are. So within the United States, um, there are that would fall into a little bit of more of like the child welfare. So we mm -hmm. do have to there's there's some more things that we have to are kind of mandated to disclose. So if we know that a child's being hurt or if there's no home, you know, we have to report that. Yeah. But in reporting that, that should be the therapist talking to the individual and saying, OK, you know, I have to report this because you've told me that you've hurt your child, you know, that there's been marks or those types of things and letting the person know that you need to report that. Okay. Um, and I, but I think those are more, you know, on the extremes. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, um, a therapist's job, part of it, you know, in normalizing that you don't want to like have a person so that they're being so comfortable and kind that they don't make growth that they don't change right but you still want to foster that situation where a person feels comfortable mm. you know um talking about you know well you know i raised my voice at my child you know is that bad so a therapist can needs to have that empathy that's there mm. Um, I have parents and, you know, sometimes they, you know, they're concerned, like, you know, I, I felt bad because I raised my voice in my child, you know, and it's giving that parent those tools, you know, helping them to, to manage that. And then also letting them know that, you know, the resiliency, you know, that a child has. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, back to parenting. So part of that uh, with that Lyrian psychology there's even a branch of that that has a specialty that's looking at parenting and looking at sort of mm -hmm. this, this positive parenting as well. And when you're with your your children, and even if they're younger children, older children, the premise is, is that when you have a household that members can engage in cooperation, that that's going to be a healthier household for individuals. Yeah, but, thank but you back to, yeah, but back to that concern if someone has about, you know, what therapy may disclose to an individual um, all of that should be addressed in the beginning 
Yeah. So if someone says, you know, hey, like if, if there's a child involved, this is what I would need to report. This is what I wouldn't need to report. So the therapist should be open to that. Um, I've had yeah. someone, you know, they were very concerned about, you know, what, what do you have to report? And they kind of went through a list. Do you have to report this? Do you have to report that? I'm like, you know, going through the yes, no. And they're like, okay, I'll come and see you. <laughs> you know? and, and, that, and that's okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And even, I guess it's good for the parents to know, like, you know, if you are struggling mentally and you're having some difficulties overcoming something, it's okay to go to a therapist. They're not going to take away your child or intervene because maybe, again, you might be grieving, going through depression. You might be having anxiety, all these things. And I think there's this perception where it's like, well, if I'm not perfect, then, and I'm a parent, then I'm a bad parent. Yeah, yeah. Perfect doesn't exist at all. (laughs) Thank you for letting them know. It doesn't (laughs) exist. It doesn't at all. And um, so just on the topic of that, which you kind of have mentioned as well, but what can people expect from therapy? Because, you know, people just see it as, yeah, you go in and you talk to someone, but it's like, mm-hmm. what is the actual expectations that people should have of therapy? Just the same way they would have if they had a personal trainer for their body. The one thing it's, it's change. And part of it is, you know, why are you going to therapy? And uh, what you should expect from therapy depends on like what your goals are. So I have some people that come in and they can really elaborate on what their goals are. Some and they're like, mm, I don't know. I just want to process. And that's fine. Uh, Therapy is, you know, as I mentioned, there are different forms of therapy. So there are different things that you can't expect. Of course, you know that primarily you're going to go in and you're going to be talking with an individual. So know that that's there. Okay. Um, Different styles. So be open to the possibility that you may have a therapist that does very little talking. Mm. Okay. Um, Be open to the possibility that you have a therapist that does a lot of talking and then be careful. So if the therapist <laughs> does a lot of talking and the talking is about them, then mm. that's probably not the therapist for you, right? Um, the, the What to expect is, is it's change, you know? And also I think uh, with the individual too, what to expect is resistance because change, you know, it's something different. And even though you're headed in the right direction, the, the brain and the body is like, what is this? You know, it's like you're going yeah. to the gym. It's like, what is this? I'm not going to lift that weight again because my muscles hurt. So no, I'm yeah. not going to do that. Right. Um, the uh, expectations, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, I almost want to say like, whatever expectations you have, don't cling to them. Yeah. So as you go into therapy, the process of therapy to be open about the process and in generals, you know, most um, times that you're seeing someone for therapy sessions are generally like half an hour to 55 minutes, an hour at a time. Um, Most individuals will usually give uh, weekly sessions starting out that way. Sometimes they're biweekly sessions. There's no, um, there's some therapies that are what we call like manualized treatment and that they have like this really strict, like, okay, this is a six week program and this is what you're going to do, okay? I'm not that person, <laughs> right? Um, so I think when you're speaking with your clinician um, and asking them like how they uh, go about therapy, then that's how you can kind of finalize like what your loose expectations will be. Yeah. And um, sometimes I have clients and, and we talk and sometimes even when I was in my office, you know, maybe there were worksheets that I would give them. 
when I think about therapy, I think that the, the person comes in and we do a little bit of that investigation. We do a little bit of the work in the office. And the majority of the work happens when they leave my office. And so I say, your task is to go out in the world, experience things, mm. and then you come back and tell me what happened. <laughs> and then we look at it and you kind of go back out again. And um, the expectations, I would you know, encourage people to know that it's not going to be this, this change overnight. Yeah, it's a and process. It may not, it, it, yeah, it's a process. And, and with that, it may not be this linear process. That mm. it might be like, oh, but I was going so well. And then, you know, this person called me and now I'm back here again. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, let, now let's start from where we are again, right? And, and to, to know that. So expect that it's going to be a contained environment where mm-hmm. almost anything can happen. Yeah, that's yeah. a very good way to put it. Yeah. And yeah. even what you're saying about if you do have a bit of a, surprise along the journey and you feel like it's Mm -hmm. taken you well people often think that whenever something happens when they've been making progress it's like they're going back Mm -hmm. to the beginning of the journey but really like you said Mm -hmm. it's just starting again from Mm -hmm. where you are starting again from where you are and taking what you learned yeah it's it's a you're still you're not completely where you where you were you Mm. gained something right and, and, and to be there, and I tell people, you know, to, to be kind with themselves when they're going through this process. Uh, again, because therapy, it, it's, it's vulnerability. And I think that we grow up in life and life kind of lies to us sometimes. You know, it lies to us about who we are. Sometimes it even lies about what happened. And so therapy is, is this uncovering. And, you know, in a way you have to have the courage to look at it. You have to, in a way, be um, willing to explore what's there and really to be open to, okay, well, what's here? What's going to happen? And then with that, you know, being gentle and being gentle yeah. with what you, what you find there, you know, mm. um, because a lot, a lot of emotions come up and, yeah. you know, it, when we're looking at the past and people will say, well, how could I have done that? You know, or I hate myself, right? I feel guilty. And a lot of times I'm like, but look at, you know, I'll tell people, find a picture of yourself when you were five. Now, can you, are you really angry at that five-year-old? Can you be angry with her for what she knew at five? And they're like, mm. no, I can't. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. And I like what you said about, you know, therapy is not just about what happens in the room. Mm-hmm. It's what happens when you go out into the world as well and coming back yeah. and, you know, reflecting on those things. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, again, like you said, learning. You're learning, yeah. you're learning about learning. And then you're, it's like mm-hmm. you have you're learning the lesson then the test coming back getting better and yeah yeah it's a good way to look at it and and it and you know it's so much of the work has to happen outside of the office um mm. I don't know if it was a teacher or someone but they said the majority of problems are social problems anyway yeah and it's like you know how is it how are you related to that person that's social that's outside of you or something that's happening in the environment or in the workplace and so you need that experience, that interaction with the social, and then you bring it back and say, yeah, like this showed up again, or this didn't show up again. This is where I've made the progress. Yeah, so therapy, it, it really gives you those tools. It gives you the yeah. tools and then you go out and it's like, okay, like go out, <laughs> see what you can yeah. do with these tools. Yeah. And I like what you said about it being, you know, a social thing, because most of the time people don't come to therapy for just things of themselves. It's all these interactions they've had with people 
yeah so that's yeah. just so interesting like we need people but at the same time <laughs> people can trigger a lot of things in us they do so. they, they trigger a lot yeah and it's you know part of atlerian psychology we look at you know just the primary task and the, the task is the self uh work or education or what you're doing in schooling and then other people and then yeah. someone added on to that too then other tasks like looking at your spirituality so somewhere in one of those four realms is going to be you know a little bit of that discomfort of what's happening in a person's life yeah and just um another question um for anyone who is considering therapy what's the best way that they can maybe ask for support from the people around them um if like while they're on that journey or going through that process especially people who mm -hmm. don't necessarily understand therapy mm -hmm. um yeah that's I think allowing that person, you know, or the people that are in your life, they're like, why are you doing this to really um, ask them, not, not, not that you need their answer, but to tell them that you know, this is a decision <laughs> that you made. Yeah. And, and, you know, tell them that you might need that space. So I know that sometimes when people go through therapy, they might eventually, maybe they, that moves them away from people or they're realizing like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going through this right now because things are coming up and they might say, you know, I'm pulling away from you in a little bit because I, they're just things that I'm working through. And so part of it is just asking the person like, you know, hey, just, just give me space. Um, I think also then going back to what we talked about before that normalization of it and helping a person see like, you know, hey, this is what I need to do. And it's no different than me hiring a personal trainer. Mm. Um, I like to think too, that even if we're looking at, you know, we're talking about the social part and social, the first socialization is your family. And that can be the same thing. It's like, when I help myself, then the work that I've done, it's naturally going to improve the relationships of other people or that other social area. And so, you know, it, it can be saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a better person after this. Yeah. And I think that's really good for people to look at what they can gain from therapy. I think a lot of times people yeah. look at what, how they're going to react to it rather mm -hmm. than, and their experience rather than, hey, like, this is what I'll gain. I know if I go to the gym and I get a personal trainer for maybe like mm -hmm. one year or a year and a half, I'm going to drop however many pounds or maybe gain, right. maybe your goal is to gain. And I'm mm -hmm. going to have, you know, whatever, whatever your goal is. But when it comes to therapy, I don't hear many people talk about how they're going to benefit through that right. process. And, you know, so I, I'm Buddhist. And so being a Buddhist, you know, like when I meditate, I'm like, may this meditation, you know, be a benefit to me and may the benefits that I gained here then benefit other people. And so I think therapy is that way. It's that whatever you've benefit, how you've improved yourself, then it's naturally going to trickle down to other individuals as well. And, yeah. and I think part of that, getting back to what we said before and letting the people in your life know this isn't about you. <laughs> that part <laughs> yeah that part. <laughs> like like it's it's not about you I'm not going to have this person you know blame you I'm going mm. for me yeah. and the work that I need to do yeah. yeah yeah what are some benefits that people can keep in mind for when they are going to therapy like you know what this is actually something I should focus on for when I am mm -hmm. going uh the main thing is focus on what your goals are and when I say goals, you know, most of the time people can identify what they want to change. Uh, the other thing is then focusing on what's the processing that you want to do. So I would summarize that by saying like, to remember like, what was your intention, mm. right? Why, why am I going here? Um, the other thing to focus on is, is really focusing on that, the working relationship 
um, because, and I say the focus on the, real, the working relationship because sometimes I might ask a question that it's uncomfortable, but know that I'm doing that not to harm the person, but to really get the person to, to do the work and to do what needs to be done. So focusing yeah. on that relationship that that person is there to um, hold that space for you, right? To hold that space. And I think when you realize that this person's here to hold the space, they're not here to judge me. And that gives you the opportunity to do what you need to do within that space. Because there are some people that I can say, yes, you know, Susie needs to do X before Y happens. But then there are some people that are like, I know that I've been carrying something that's just so heavy and I just wanna talk about it. Yeah. Right. And so as therapists, that's my role to hold the space. Yeah. And it's different to when you're talking to your friends. Exactly. Like, sometimes your friends just don't have the tools and the insight mm-hmm. um, on how exactly. to navigate conversations. Right. The same way. And that's that's important, too, because uh, that goes back to the question that you asked before when people are concerned about, you know, should they be in therapy? Is something wrong? You know, they might say, well, I have friends, but can I tell my friends this? I think life, we all at some point have gone through something. We all have maybe some type of trauma, but it's different for everybody and, and everybody your story might, it could be, your story isn't too much, but it might be too much for your friend, okay? And it shouldn't be too much for the therapist. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And, and so part of it is, is that regard too, you know, it, it's it's this um, protection in, in a way, you know, of, of being mindful of your friend. Oh, my, my friend hasn't been through this, but I still need to get this out. So let me go to someone who holds that space. Yeah. And maybe I get I get the heaviness of that off. And then I can go to my friend when it's a little bit lighter. That's a good way to look at it, especially because yeah. there is a lot of pressure sometimes that we put on the people around us to be able to to carry us. And yeah. sometimes they just they just don't have the tools to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and it's and it's nothing against them. It's just that sometimes what we have is heavy. Yeah. 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 And I um so I learned two years ago that group therapy mm-hmm. is a thing and yes. I know that this is so of course <laughs> but like you know um what would you say like to anyone who maybe is uncomfortable doing maybe one-to-one therapy do you think that they'll find benefit in doing maybe group therapy I do I do yeah um because part of that group therapy you have this sense of I'm not alone mm. and so you you get that connection that's happening and um it, the, the big part about group, I think it is that connection. So mm. more so with women, they say, you know, have this friend in 10 versus this fight or flight. So you, yeah. you can get some of that, you know, within the group. And for some people being in a group, it's less intimidating. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they don't feel like they have this pressure of, oh, it's just me and this other person, but it's me. And, you know, maybe this, this small group of, of individuals. So um, I've done like, you know, led some group therapy in the past. And I do think that it can be very, very beneficial for people. Um, When you're going to group therapy too, I think that that's still something that, you know, you want to investigate, like who's leading the group? How does the group run? Um, So self-disclosure here as as an adolescent, I had some difficulties with some, some eating issues, some disordered eating. And I went to a group for that. And I wasn't in the healthiest place because then I was getting more tips of how to then keep my eating disorder. And I was like, okay, Mm. this isn't working out this time. So it's really making sure of, you know, 
what's happening in the group, uh, what's the, why is the person using the group. Uh, there are times when I think that some individuals that I have, have been seen for individual therapy, I will refer them to group counseling and they may do both. Oh. Yeah. And I think that that can be beneficial because it can be like a check-in, you know? So if I would have went to someone and said, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm still in this group and, you know, and now I've learned how to gain, you know, to lose two pounds, you know, in a, in a night, that person might be like, well, that's not it, the best group for you, or you're not getting mm. what you should get out of this group. Right. So I think that uh, group therapy can definitely be beneficial. Um, it can be something that um, you're getting that support. You're feeling that you're not alone. It can stand on its own. Mm -hmm. individual therapy can stand on its own and then also you can do both you know group and individual therapy um and, and a sidebar from that um also people are you know they may come to therapy and they're like you know do i need medication um i'm not one that will start with medication uh one, one as a psychologist i can't prescribe it but i'm not one that, that starts with oh yeah like you're depressed go on this antidepressant for me i like to think about adding um skills before pills mm, yeah um, however, if there are situations when a person does need medication, I often say like, if you're getting medication, one, I'd recommend that they get it from a psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner with, with you know, psychiatric training, and then also continue to do the individual therapy work. But I think that um, it's been proven if you're having like depression or anxiety, uh, the symptomology of that can lessen over time a little bit quicker if you're seeing both the therapist and the medication. But again, for me, I think that for both of those, if I can teach a person the skills, mm. and they can also use the skills to reduce that interference of anxiety and depression. Yeah, and that's really good for people to know. And yeah. Like if they are gonna take that route, then mm -hmm. doing both would be beneficial mm -hmm. at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But thank you so much, Dr. You're Kimberly. Welcome. You're welcome. Like this episode alone, like I've learned so much. Like, <laughs> so I know I have some more tools and I know people listening will definitely have even more tools and insight on how to navigate. And I'm sure they have a lot of research to do now and they know what to research, they know where to look and how to look. Um, where can people find you? Find me. So definitely you can find me online. And so yeah. I'm at drkimberlym.com. And then I have a Linktree account, which is the, the ending of that is tea and therapy. And uh, as far as if you're, you know, because you're, I'm in the United States and you're over in London. So <laughs> I know, like, right? Crazy why connection. is this girl on this connection here, right? Um, so one of the things that I've done because of COVID, I do a monthly format that's called tea and therapy. And tea and therapy, uh, when I do this online and it's done through Zoom, is that it's just information. And yeah. so the, the meeting, it's at the fourth Saturday of every month. And I've changed the time. So it meets at noon, which is Eastern Standard Time. And so it's probably what, five or six year time, maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so that's available through Zoom. You can get that information through um, drkimberlym.com. So that's my website. Yeah. I'm also available on Facebook as well. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Kimberly Tea and Therapy, and that information's posted there. So the Tea and Therapy workshops, um, either myself or someone else just presents, and we're presenting about basic information. This year, um, I'm looking at mental health and then looking at the connection between mental health and the brain. And um, underlying that, I'm also looking at every issue of that Tea and Therapy will have a component of social justice as well. 
and this month. So it's happening this Saturday. And I have a doctor. Yeah, okay. Grad birthday. Yeah. I'll be joining. So (laughs) yeah. So um Dr. (laughs) Sharisa McCray, she's joining Mm -hmm. and I've I rescheduled her from 2020 and she's actually talking about the mother-daughter dyad. So um that should be interesting. The events are free. Um I do ask for just like a donation. But mm-hmm. if you can't afford the donation, that's okay. You know, come anyway. Um, because tea and therapy, I designed those to be community events, and they really are for individuals who can't afford therapy. Maybe for people who need information more than they need therapy to have that access available to them. So yeah. Yeah. Well, all these details will be in the description and on socials. But the tea and therapy, I definitely urge you guys to join a session because it's not often that people give free resources for these for things that can help your mind especially people who I mean I can share the resources but I'm just sharing based off you know my own experiences (laughs) and what has worked for me um but when you have someone who's actually taken the time to really study this and understand this and they're willing to take their time out to say hey listen if you can't afford it that's okay that's 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 fine come and join get what you can get and maybe everything might not work for you but some things will work so thank you so much oh you're more than welcome thank you yeah I enjoyed it (laughs) well that is another episode of Upon Reflection podcast with our special guest Dr. Kimberly (laughs) thank you Okay, so we're at the end of the episode and I just wanted to say thank you so much for just taking your time out of your day to join me on this conversation. And I really do hope that it's left you just feeling a bit more clear about certain things and has made you feel good, you know? Like, I want you to feel like there is some hope to do whatever you need to do to keep moving forward in your journey. Um, life is about accumulating the tools to your life toolkit and using those tools whenever you need them so I hope that this episode has become another tool for that toolbox that you're you know that you're building (laughs) Um, if you enjoyed this episode please leave a review on apple podcast that would be so helpful because you know my goal is to try and get these conversations out to as many people as possible so if you enjoyed it I'm sure someone else will enjoy it and your review would mean a lot so go over to Apple Podcasts and I think on apps it's just podcast and leave a review um or whatever platform you're streaming this on if you're able to leave a review please do um and send me an email hello at vitaminmepackage.com eventually I will create an email for Upon Reflection podcast but in the meantime you can send all emails to hello at vitaminmepackage.com and um, yeah join me on another episode guys thank you so much it's your host Sarah Noir and always you know wishing you good energy and good vibes for the week 